You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Gravity Leadership is a community of people seeking to live our lives in the orienting center of God's love in the midst of our post-Christian world, learning to lead like Jesus, live on mission, and make disciples. In nature, gravity is the phenomenon that brings stuff together, objects as small as atoms and quarks, and as large as stars and galaxies. We believe the gravity of the Christian life is the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. The Gravity Leadership Podcast is curated conversations on what it looks like to practically orient our lives and our leadership in the love of Christ, the gravity that holds everything together. Hey, uh, folks, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Um, we're, uh, my name is Ben Sternkey. Just in case you're I new. I know that. I know that. I know that you know that. I've but known I'm, this a long time. I'm saying there's people listening, Matt, that might not know who we are. Every time so I I'm see ben you, every time I see you, introduce yourself to one me. One of the co-founders <laughs> of Gravity. I don't think you understand how podcasts work. Um, and I'm here with Matt Tebby, who is uh, not going to introduce himself to me, but um, because he doesn't understand how podcasts work. <laughs> no. Uh, welcome. Uh, we're really glad uh, that you've tuned in uh, to this episode uh, with Chris Smith, um, who's going to talk about some really uh, fun stuff. He's a fun, he's a fun guy. Get to know Chris Smith. We have two quick things. Two quick things to chat about. Um, first of all is our uh, membership community on Patreon, uh, which uh, is growing steadily. And uh, we're really thankful for um, your support and your partnership there. If you want to become, Matt, why would somebody want to become a patron of Gravity Leadership? Because they have FOMO. Okay, good, <laughs> good. That's no, one I reason. Mean, uh, we, I mean, we offer special things for patrons that, you know, it's like a living room. And right now what we're doing is we're broadcasting a, uh, you know, mm-hmm. sound from the top of our roof. So there's conversations mm-hmm. and stories and things we can share and do in a patron community that we can't do publicly. Yeah. Uh, and so that's one of them. And then that's secondly, great. it gives greater access to our materials, discounts on our national gathering, uh, some of the tiers you get everything we've created, uh, online courses and yeah, stuff like that, and, yeah. and packages and bundles for free. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good deal, and you get to support the ongoing work of yeah. Gravity. Yeah, yeah. So you there's know? some people that are there's like I don't care what the benefits are. I just want to support you guys. That's great. I Welcome. support. I yeah. support uh, some people on Patreon mm-hmm. or pa- Patreon. Yeah, I, I mean, I you know I support Netflix. 
<laughs> so I figured I should support right. some people support. that are actually doing good yeah. in the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> not just not just Netflix. But there's a few of you. We wanted to, yeah. So get we, some shout we've outs. Been doing this, we've been doing this for I don't know how many weeks now, but we just wanted Two? to give some shout outs. So last week we said, hey, we've got you know the X number of uh, of patrons, but uh, we just wanted to shout out to all of our patrons. Um, Lara, Lara Archibald, thank you. Michael Gonzalez, thank Greg, you. Greg Arthur, Derek Miller, Ted Harris, Carla. Danky. Danky. <laughs> Sorry, Carla, if that's not how we pronounce your last name. <laughs> Gino Cucurito. Uh, Matthew Young. Eric Nordgren. Jesse Harden. Brent Anderson. Cameron Petticourt. Steve Earnshaw. Brian Mills. Trevor Durbin. Eric Sch- Schlukebeer. Schlukebeer. You get the hard ones. <laughs> I know I know how to... Hey, Eric. I know how to pronounce that one because I know Eric. Uh, David Stravers. You've got to be kidding me. Jenny... Hackman Arnold. Arnerlöf. Oh, Jenny, I'm sorry. I think, I think Jenny's Jenny's from Sweden. Yeah, she lives in Sweden. She's yes. a pastor in Sweden. Arnerlöf. Uh, thank you, Jenny, for uh, your partnership. Dr. Philip Martin Corbell. Bob Smith. I just wanted an easy one. Yep, that's not really that's, a picture. He's not in there. David Sundy. Uh, Scott and Alicia Lemming. Laura Moon. Thanks, everybody. You guys for, are awesome. Yeah, really, really great. I uh, appreciate that community. If you want to be part of it, go to gravityleadership.com slash, nope, sorry, Patreon, <laughs> patreon.com slash gravityleadership, uh, and you can become a patron there. We also, check it all out. we also have some upcoming Enneagram workshops we're doing. Yeah, so we do these uh, Enneagram transformation workshops where we talk about how the Enneagram can be used as a, a really effective tool for spiritual formation. Uh, for individuals and for groups, and so um, we do these workshops uh, around the around the around the place. Um, so if you're interested in, uh, and I just wanted to mention a couple places we're going to be. We're going to be in Atlanta, the Atlanta area, and Marietta, Georgia, on October 18th and 19th. We are going to be in Philadelphia, November 1st and 2nd, and we're going to be in Lexington, Kentucky, on November 15th and 16th. Um, those are all upcoming uh, workshops that you might want to avail yourself of. If you would like to register for those, links to all of those workshops are at gravityleadership.com slash Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. That's it, right? That's it. That's would it. love to see you at uh, one of these workshops. They're, they're tons of fun. I have one final question for you. Yes, Matt. What's your name again? My name is Ben Sternke. <laughs> S-T-E. No. <laughs> all right. You know, who, you, you, know, you know who you are. Enjoy Christmas. Yep. Peace, friends. It's weird. When people tell me their age, I'm like, you aren't that old. Right. <laughs> That's like as old as me. And I'm young. Uh, <laughs> what you're really saying is I'm not that old. Right. That's what yeah, you're, yeah. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like, and young people look really young. Like, yeah. I can't believe when people start driving, I'm like, that's a four-year-old. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on right now? They'll let anybody Both drive. Both of my boys are driving, guys. What? Yeah, Caden gets his permit in a few weeks. How is that possible? They're both four. (laughs) I know. We've covered this. Uh, Well, uh, okay. Speaking of old guys. Yep. We've been recording for just a little bit here. So, welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. (laughs) Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Tebby. I'm joined by co founders of Gravity Leadership, Ben Hardman. 
Yes, mm-hmm. and I'm here. Need you to. I need your voice just to reaffirm Pe- you're here because people yeah. can't see you. Yeah. Yes, people <laughs> need to associate names with voices. And it's Ben Sternkey. Hey, this hey. is my voice. This is what it sounds like. It's great. Yep. And uh, you know, we are three white guys who like to talk, so we decided we start a podcast, and that's what we've been doing that for is. about a year now. Yep. Right. And that's yep. that's the joke, right? What do we call three guy, three white guys? Yeah, yeah. In a, what's a group of three white guys who start a pod? Or no, what's a th- what's a what do you call a group nope. of three white guys? A podcast. A podcast. Yeah. Uh, but um, just to uh, ruin that joke, we've uh, decided to invite a fourth white guy. Yeah. So now we're completely not a podcast anymore. Our friend Chris Smith is here. He lives in the same town as Sternkey and I. We've known Chris. I've known Chris for uh, about ten years, um, and we're going to talk today about. Uh, Chris has written a book about how the church has conversations, how the body of Christ talks. Hmm. But first, Chris, will you give us a brief introduction, uh, who you are, where you're at, and what you spend your time doing? Sure. Uh, So I'm Chris Smith. I'm part of the Englewood Christian Church community uh, in an urban neighborhood, Englewood neighborhood, uh, here on the near east side of Indianapolis. Uh, a lot of my time uh, goes into doing the Inglewood Review of Books uh, that reviews a wide range of books uh, for uh, a pretty diverse Christian audience. Uh, we do a quarterly magazine and also do a lot of stuff online. Uh, and then I also uh, do a bunch of other writing projects uh, and working with churches, helping uh, churches to develop practices of conversation and other practices that help uh, nurture a thicker uh, life together. Uh, in congregations. Yes. Um, you tell this story briefly in your book, but I, I wonder if you could just share, um, you know, it briefly here too. Your church is in a fairly uh, under-resourced, underprivileged neighborhood in the near east side of Indianapolis. And about 10 years ago, Indy got this great idea to pump millions of dollars into your neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> right? And and to yeah. make and to make all, all the property prices skyrocket. Uh, and so what you guys did as a church uh, you you sort of thank God for the favor and blessing of the finances, and you have rode that cash cow the last ten years, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that's not exactly how it happened. <laughs> well, no, tell us how it happened because I think this is it's beautiful and brilliant, and it gives people a sense of the quality of your ministry and the community you're you're leading. So, I mean, I should preface this by saying just a wee bit about our congregation. Uh, one of the things that uh, we did about twenty five years ago. Uh, was starting to have a weekly conversation together. Uh, and it was a mess when we started. And we can talk more about that later if we want. But yeah. um, but we had basically been gathering together uh, every week for a time of conversation uh, that's separate from our time of worship. Um, but So we had this practice. But then about 10 years ago, as you were saying, uh, Matt, uh, the uh, our neighborhood on uh, the Near East Side was... Uh, identified as a, a redevelopment zone, which again is kind of a sign that the city wants to pour a bunch of resources into it. Uh, but we didn't, we, we realized that we could use those resources as you kind of alluded to, uh, but we didn't want those resources coming in to automatically drive out the neighbors that were here. Uh, yes. So we were a part of an effort uh, with a lot of other neighborhood groups here on the Near East side uh, to have a conversation together, really. And I think we were well prepared to participate in that conversation with our neighbors because we had practices of conversation within our congregation and lots of people uh, in our church uh, participated in those conversations. Uh, and basically what came out of that was a vision, a plan uh, f- that the neighborhood was really the owners of for what we wanted to become as a neighborhood and allowed resources to come in. 
uh, but it didn't uh, let uh, it be driven by those who are sheerly motivated by profit. Mm. Uh, rather, it was driven by by us, the neighbors and place. And so we kind of focused on things like affordable housing and uh, education and public safety, arts, uh, food sa- food justice, uh, those sorts of things. Um, uh, and that was has basically been the shape of the work in our neighborhood over the last decade or so. Uh, in those areas as various groups kind of take uh, leadership for various parts of it. And we work together and we talk together and we're constantly um, kind of uh, revisioning and uh, evaluating uh, this kind of plan that we put together almost a decade ago. Yeah. I I mean, I'm, it may be shocking for some of our listeners to hear that uh, profit doesn't equal kingdom breakthrough, you know? Surprise! <laughs> No, but I think that um, that discernment uh, is, you know, vitally needed in our in our culture. And you tie it directly to the hard work you've done to learn how to talk to each other at your church, and that's why you wrote this book, <laughs> "How the Body of Christ Talks." Um, can you you and you reference this a little bit? Like twenty years ago, twenty plus, you started having weekly conversations, and they were a mess. Can you yep. can you tell us about the mess? Why was it messy? Yeah, uh, that's really good. Well, certainly, I mean, the short answer to that question is simply uh, we didn't know how to talk together or we had uh, lost the capacity for it. And that was even really pre-internet, uh, pre-boom of the internet and definitely pre-social media. Um, we were a part of a culture that uh, had been deeply formed by a culture that didn't know how to talk together um, and, and of course, in retrospect, we probably started uh, in a place that wasn't ideal to start. We started one of the earliest questions that we talked about uh, was the question of what is the gospel and being kind of evangelically types of folks. Uh, obviously, that question is very much at the center of, of our identity and people had yeah. very charged uh, yeah. sorts of. Uh, yeah, maybe next time, about. maybe next time you should start with what's your favorite color or what animals <laughs> do you like? Right. Something a little maybe. bit simpler. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was a mess. People were yelling at each other. People were super sarcastic with each other. Uh, some people left the church. Uh, some people stayed part of the church, but uh, kind of checked out of the Sunday night conversation. Uh, so, um, hmm. so yeah, it was just it was just really rough. Uh, but out of sheer stubbornness or whatever else, we continued week after week after week after year after year. Um, and and here we are, almost twenty five years later, uh, still still talking together. Uh, every week. And we found ourselves conversation popping up in a lot of other places uh, in our life together. Uh, We've started businesses, um, which gives us opportunities to talk about uh, things uh, together on a daily basis and to bring uh, some people from other churches that work with us uh, into, into the conversations. Uh, So, so it's really become a conversation has become a way of life uh, for us. Yeah. I find it fascinating, like, it's just an interesting, it, it feels like one of those things that most people wouldn't know that they're not good at, right? It's like, well, what do you mean, conversation? Like, I know how to talk to people. I've watched Friends and Seinfeld. I right. know how to be yeah, in a yeah. relationship. I did, yeah, yeah. I know how to talk to people. <laughs> you know, I know what's going on here. Um, and you mentioned, you know, obviously you guys were yelling at each other and you were, there was sar- sarcasm, which are kind of two signs that it, this conversation isn't working. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm just curious. I guess what you've. I mean, this is probably what uh, the book is about. But like, what have you learned about this thing that feels like it should be an obvious? Oh, I know how to have. A, I know how to have a conversation. But like, what have you learned about how the body of Christ does that? Like, what have What have you learned 
Like, how do you know your conversations are better now uh, than sure. they were? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think I would say two things uh, in answer to that question. Uh, first of all, uh, the the way that we talk together uh, is probably more important uh, than us agreeing. Uh, that mm. one of the things that we've learned over two plus decades of of conversation uh, is that uh, that we haven't really grown a lot uh, toward like mindedness. Maybe hopefully a little bit, uh, but really the the sweetest fruits of our talking together. Uh, are our capacity to know one another and to trust one another. Hmm. Um, and so, so I think that's one thing uh, that we've learned uh, is that, that uh, the goal isn't to, to always agree about everything, uh, but the goal is to, uh, to uh, be well in conversation, to do conversation well together. And I think that's the, another thing, the second thing that I would add in, in answer to that is that uh, when I talk about conversation, the uh, the words we use, language is, is important, certainly. Uh, mm. But I think conversation is fundamentally about our presence uh, mm. with one another yeah. uh, and learning to be attentive uh, to to all of our presence with each other, our emotions, um, uh, the, the sorts of things that uh, really make us joyful, but also the things that are, are very difficult uh, for us to talk about. Uh, and sort of the sort of wounds that we bear and learning to uh, to uh, be increasingly attentive to those sorts of things uh, and the ways that they shape uh, what we believe and how we live in the world. I think those uh, sorts of dynamics are especially important. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's oftentimes, especially the, the role of emotions, I think that were formed in modern culture, especially especially as men. <laughs> yeah. um, to uh, uh, to kind of discount our emotions or not know what to do with them. Um, and I think one of the things that conversation does is uh, really helps us to to be a little bit more attentive uh, to our own uh, emotions, but also to to those of others around us. Hmm. Uh, so good, Chris. Yeah. So good. I, I I think that there's a huge challenge in our in our just rhetoric and conversation right now around the difference between connection and persuasion. You know, we're we're, we're always trying to persuade people rather than connect to them. I'm I'm curious, Chris how how in this process did you grow as a leader? Um, kind of moving maybe from leadership to facilitation of this conversation. Like, like what, what are some things that you learned in this process in how to invite your congregation into more conversation? Yeah, that's really good. I mean, one of the things really simply is kind of what I've already said is uh, as a facilitator, one of the, the most important parts of facilitation is learning to read the room uh, and to uh, pay attention to the ways that kind of emotions are kind of starting to rise up and, uh, maybe at times uh, very delicately uh, trying to uh, unpack that a little bit. Um, so, so certainly I've learned a lot uh, in that regard. Uh, and certainly just as a participant, uh, and uh, so we have a, we have a very practically, we have a team of facilitators and we kind of rotate. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that we found uh, 
for basically the first 15 years or so of our conversation, we just had one facilitator and we found that he couldn't both facilitate and participate in the conversation very well. Uh, so we kind of freed him up uh, and created a team of us that kind of shares that responsibility uh, and rotates and allows us to participate on the times that we're not facilitating. Uh, but uh, but just as a participant, uh, and you kind of already alluded to this too, of, of trying to give up uh, this notion of always wanting to be right uh, uh, and, and really uh, more to uh, see the end as uh, trying to discern what the spirit is doing among us and, uh, uh, and what uh, God is trying to tell us uh, through, uh, through one another. Uh, I think an important aspect of conversation, especially for us in the Christian tradition, uh, is this idea of God's presence with us, uh, even as we're just kind of talking uh, brother to brother or brother to sister, uh, in groups, uh, that God is always present with us. And it's a kind of prayer, I think, to, uh, be attentive to God's presence with us. And it also, I think to the extent that we are attentive to God's presence with us, it changed how it changes how we talk uh, yes. with one another, uh, that mm-hmm. we're probably not quite as likely to, uh, to curse or to demonize uh, a sister or a brother, uh, if we, if we're really attentive that are really mindful that God is present with us. Yeah. Uh, so, th- so those are a few of the things um, that I've been learning uh, as I participated in Englewood's conversations over the last 16 years or so. Yeah. That's really good. That, what you just named there, Chris, about uh, God's being present with us and our brothers and sisters, that's a, that's a embodied, uh, it's an embodied ecclesiology that's thicker and deeper than most of us have. Right. Mm. So most of us have like polity, you know, bishops or senior leader sure. or elders, right? And then we've got basically this is how we make decisions. Yeah, it's <laughs> about know? governance. And then we have like a yeah. church discipline policy, right? <clears throat> um, sure. And then we got membership requirements, you know, you got a tithe, et cetera. But uh, being able to sit in a room and bear disagreement and listen and discern and see Christ present among us, like that, I think. I think what you're describing is thoroughly what the New Testament does. And you go into this in your book, like Acts 15, there's hmm. there's there's times in the scriptures where we see this happening, but it's rare, Chris. Like it's yeah. really rare. Um and so I, I'm just so blessed. I think this yeah. book is a is an incredible window into, you know, a quarter century. Does that make you feel old? A quarter <laughs> <laughs> A quarter century. I should be clear. I haven't been here for all that quarter century. I've been here for about sixteen years, but still a, a large, a large chunk of my own life, more than a third of my own life. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah it and is. and like um, I, I so another thing too. I was struck as I read this that most of the spaces we have now to have conversations about important things tend to be disembodied virtual spaces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that so the town hall meeting has been replaced with the Facebook wall. Right. <laughs> right? Which has done right. oh, which has not done good work for us. Mm. No, it hasn't. And I think it that that observation bears witness uh, to the fact that uh, what what I'm calling conversation is fundamentally about presence. Uh, and exactly what you're missing in the Facebook wall uh, is the fullness of each person's uh, yeah. presence. Physical uh, you're presence. Kind yeah. of reducing it to language. Yeah. Uh, and there's certain ways that you can kind of capture uh, a, a very tiny sliver of emotions and so forth. Uh, right. Emo- but, emojis, uh, right? Yeah. Right. Emojis. <laughs> 
Uh, Once but, we added emojis, uh, we're fine. <laughs> no, yeah, that's no, not what Chris is saying. Okay, no, no. Let no, him finish. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but I think I mean when we're thinking about technologies, uh, there's better and worse uh, sorts of platforms uh, for for having conversations. Uh, I mean, so we're on Zoom today, right, uh, and this right. is a little bit better because I can see you guys uh, and can hear the tone of your voice a little bit more nuanced ways than I could uh, if we were just exchanging texts together. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, so certainly it's not a case where technology bad, uh, but, right. uh, uh, but I do think that uh, the most important, uh, the most uh, productive and transformative conversations are the ones that we are able to have uh, face to face and uh, yes. in, in, in one another's presence. I, I'm, I'm, as I'm listening to you, Chris, I'm really struck by, I'm reminded of um, Bonhoeffer in Life Together. Uh, mm -hmm. He talks about this, where Christ is not so, and I, I'm probably going to butcher it, but the idea that's coming to me from my <laughs> interpretation of the book that I read a long time ago is this, <laughs> that, um, that Christ is between the members of the community. Uh, I mm -hmm. think a lot of times as evangelicals or people who come from that tradition, we think of Christ as like inside of me. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And so it ends up becoming like, a, you know, a I think functionally we feel like we're carrying Jesus around with us, but I feel like right. some a different kind of space has opened up if I'm aware that like Christ is among us, like God's presence is between us, and that like the space he occupies, you know, comes between us. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if you if you can uh, riff on that a little bit, but I, I think there's a sure, yeah. I do think uh, to kind of maybe shift it a little bit uh, from Christology to pneumatology. Uh -huh. uh, I think we have a very, especially when we think of the Holy Spirit, uh, we often have a very sort of privatized, individualized sense of that, mm -hmm. and certainly some of that is just simply the weirdness of the English language and all of the passages in the New Testament that are kind of uh, interpreted with the singular you. Uh, instead of the plural you, as they were kind of originally written in Greek. Right. Uh, and that uh, the, I mean, the familiar passage that most Christians know about your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's your plural body singular uh, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, right. And that kind of alludes to the sort of reality that you're talking about uh, yeah. that, uh, that the spirit of Christ, the Holy spirit of Christ, uh, is, uh, is in us as a body. Uh, and, uh, I think that's a very different thing than kind of this sort of, uh, Jesus in my heart that I take with me. Uh, and not to say that, uh, Jesus or the Holy spirit isn't in us, uh, as we go through our lives, right. because I think it's true as well. But, uh, but there's a sense in which, uh, we really do belong to one another in Christ. Yeah. Um, and I think we're not often enough and we're culturally formed by uh, centuries of the modern age uh, to, yes. to kind of discount uh, that reality or to not recognize that reality. Yeah. Well, we just don't think of it as, as, as of consequence, like the, the atomization of the individual and all of that kind of thing. Like we just think of like, well, if they're offended by what I said, well, you know, no big deal. That's their problem. Rather than realizing like maybe I've violated Mm. something that, you know, is holy, that's, that's meant right. to be between me and my brother, my sister. Definitely. Oh, I think the central, the central metaphor of this book uh, is the human body. And I think that there's a really good analogy here to what you're describing in our human bodies. And that is uh, that uh, uh, an infant, uh, there's a stage very early in an infant's life 
uh, when she doesn't realize that her hands are connected uh, to her eyes. She can see her hands, mm -hmm. uh, but she doesn't realize that they are all part of the same body and that they can work together uh, mm -hmm. and that they can uh, do all sorts of wonderful things uh, together. And I think that's the type of immaturity that we exist in so many times in our churches that we don't realize that we actually are connected together as the parts of a body are connected together. Mm. Uh, and we don't have any sense of how we might uh, work together to do uh, intricate things. That's a really good image. Things. Yeah. So these convening these conversations then is one of the ways that we maybe work to overcome and subvert cultural condition lenses that reveal things but also mm -hmm. conceal them, right? No doubt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so as, you know, we're pastors, uh, Chris, just like you are, and most sure. of us grew up with, if we're going to gather at the church, we're going to do one of three things. We're going to have a class, <laughs> right? We're going yep. to have a prayer meeting, yep. or we're going to worship. <clears throat> yep. Tell us, get, here's, your, here's your 60 seconds, buddy. Tell us... Okay. Give us an apologetic for why convening conversations is as crucial as those three things. Sure. Well, uh, first of all, it, it includes it, it uh, embraces all all of those things. I mean, I've already, I talked about prayer, uh, but it's a sense of worship too. Uh, in that uh, that God created us uh, and God uh, is guiding us uh, and. Uh, so there's a sense sense of of worship uh, and formation. Totally. Uh, certainly, I talked about the ways that I was formed uh, by participating in our. Uh, so so there's a, a sense of liturgy there, uh, a sense of work uh, of of formation. Uh, but also, there's a lot of teaching that goes on there, uh, especially uh, as we intentionally do that within our churches and really try to understand what scripture means. Uh, uh, and try to unpack and interpret scripture, but also try to uh, interpret what it means for us in the particular uh, sorts of places and contexts in which we live. So I think that that conversation uh, is is bigger. It incorporates all all of these sorts of things, uh, and I think all of those sorts of things uh, in our church, uh, even as we continue to do them. Uh, will be even more fruitful as we see the the dynamics of conversation within them. Hmm. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I, 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 go ahead, Harbin. Yeah, I, yeah. I, th I think one of the challenges, though, Chris, is like we're we're addicted to control. Right? We it's not only that we have a liturgy of the way that we meet, but we want to control the way that we meet so that it produces the right outcomes and the things that we want it to produce. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, for many of us, there's a lot of people in our churches. Not mine, but other people <laughs> who they don't they don't they don't want to give a microphone to somebody. Oh yeah, because right? yeah. they're afraid of what that person's going to say and the loss of control in that moment. So, how would you speak to that fear or that challenge? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think I mean, first of all, I mean, the way of Christ, the way of love, casts out fear. Uh, and come on, Chris. I mean, Certainly, I think we need to be cautious. I'm not saying that we throw all caution to the wind, uh, but uh, there's lots of things in the world that we could be could be afraid of. I could be afraid that I might get hit by a bus when crossing the street or whatever, but mm. uh, but it's probably not going to happen most of the time. It doesn't happen most of the time. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think we need to be honest about the ways that we are uh, formed and driven by by a spirit of control. Uh, and I mean, that's part of, uh, 
learning to live under the lordship of Christ, uh, right? We pray in the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, uh, and it's not my own kingdom come. Uh, it's uh, uh, learning to uh, to submit ourselves uh, to the that which God is doing in the world. I think also part of this too, part of the dynamic is not only control, but, but consumption, uh, that a lot of the ways that we approach teaching and worship and prayer oftentimes is about uh, what can I get out of this or what can I get God to do, especially in terms of prayer. Um, but I think in the book, I talk about kind of turning that consumption mindset on its head and asking the question instead, how can I be prepared uh, to participate in a conversation? What can I bring to this conversation? How yeah. have I be uniquely gifted uh, uh, or my unique passions? How can they, how can I use, draw upon those to prepare to participate uh, in a conversation together? Hmm. Um so that's another uh, sort of dynamic that I think is different uh, between what I'm calling conversation and what most people think about when they think about church. Man, uh, so what I just heard you say, Chris, is if you're if you're fed up with the consumerism in your church, don't just preach against it. Host a conversation <laughs> where people ha- <laughs> where people have to come and participate. Yeah, and they're bringing something, and they're they're showing yeah. up. Ask them to bring something concrete to yeah, contribute. Yeah, this is a yeah. relational potluck. So don't just show up with like, you know, a fork, but bring a dish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, make some food, or yeah, I mean, or even just pick up some potato chips. Bring a hot dish on the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Certainly, uh, w- the sort of uh, church life that Paul advocated for the church in Corinth uh, in First Corinthians fourteen uh, that uh, people should bring bring a prayer, bring a song, uh, bring a word. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I, I don't think that uh, in the 21st century we pay enough attention uh, to that admonition uh, in First uh, Corinthians. Yeah, Chris, we need we need to hear f- more from you. Keep yeah. writing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, keep, thank you. And keep agitating and uh, leading there uh, near near East Side of Indianapolis. The book is called "How the Body of Christ Talks," and it's not just a travelogue of your of your journey, but you actually go into this is what conversation's doing. This is how to curate and sort of hold space. Mm. And, and here's, here's what not to do. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I highly recommend it. Just as a way of closing, let's say I'm listening, and I'm like, okay, that settles it. Next month, we're going to host a Sunday night conversation on uh, gun control, gay marriage, and abortion. So what would you say to someone who's listening to this? Makes what does the gospel seem mild. <laughs> right. What would you say to somebody who's listening to this that wants to begin to explore this? How would you, how would you advise them to begin? I mean, I think it's really best to kind of start in the very sort of ordinary waters. Uh, so one of the earlier books that I did was a book called Slow Church. And the book that that the note that that book ends on, the image that that uh, book ends on is to to reimagine church as dinner table conversation. And I think that having those places that are more informal, more ordinary uh, sorts of spaces for conversation uh, will help us to to begin to cultivate the source of knowledge and trust that are essential to be able to navigate uh, the more difficult and the more inflammatory sorts of conversations. So, so start with ordinary things. Start by uh, sharing meals together and having ordinary conversations and sharing sharing your lives, sharing your stories together. And I think yeah. that uh, sort of social capital that we cultivate uh, in those ordinary conversations will help us uh, in the the more divisive and more intense sorts of conversations. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. We we uh, in our church we stumbled upon something uh, last year that we we started calling Story Night, 
And instead uh-huh. of talking about, so in, we instead of convening an issue, in, instead of convening a conversation around an issue that we're going to like argue about or say what I think about. We said, tell us your best gun control story. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, we just said like, <laughs> tell, like bring a story on this topic and people so uh, the topic would story be from the, their life. Yeah. The topic would be best vacation ever. Yeah. Or uh, uh, hardest night of your life. Yeah. Or um, what else? Uh, M- movie that changed. Bring an epiphany. Bring an ep- what, what epiphany like, have you had? Yeah, yeah. Something you realized yeah. or a, a moment of realization or, yeah, favorite movie, things like that. Yeah, and then we, so, and then we just... we Beats of strength and airing of grievances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I haven't heard of that movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then we just invited people to be compassionately curious about it. Right, so the, we didn't interrogate people's stories, and we didn't disagree with people's stories. Yeah. We didn't one up people's stories. We didn't dismiss mm-hmm. them. We just we we practiced wondering about their story with them. Mm-hmm. And it we're gonna do it again this summer. It does it does great work. You're yeah. you're welcome to come if you're listening and you're in town. Yeah, you can come to one of our story nights Friday night stay, and then come to one of Chris Smith's conversations on s- Sunday evenings. Right, they're open to anyone. Right. Oh, absolutely. Actually, we do it out on Sunday mornings now. Uh, oh. A couple years ago, we made the shift for the sake of some of the older people in our congregation that weren't uh, willing or able to come back on Sunday nights. Uh, we do it uh, in, in an hour or so after, right after our worship service on Sunday mornings. It's kind of like fellowship fellowship hour. Yeah. Like you're, you're bringing yeah, some structure. More intentional and structured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Intention and structure around fellowship hour. Uh, so you're actually training people into something rather than just sort of letting something happen. Letting gossip run rampant. Right. And the donuts and the <laughs> bad coffee. Uh, anyway. Chris, can you tell us a little more about Inglewood Book um, Review? I, I'm the Inglewood re- Review of Books. Review of Books. Is that right? The book. Yeah, okay. Booking. Well, I, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> the booking website that you my, have. <laughs> re- right. Irregardless. <laughs> irregardless of my butchering the name of it, I think it's an uh, incredibly... Uh, rich resource for Christian leaders that um, not enough people know about. Hmm. So could you just tell us a little bit about that and how people can connect with you online in that? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, uh, so we started the Englewood Review back in 2008, uh, basically out of the conviction that books were really important uh, to our conversations. And of course, our conversation had been going on for over a decade at that point. Um, And uh, just being able to read and to talk about a wide range of books, uh, not necessarily Christian books, uh, books about social issues, books about uh, business sometimes, books about mental health, uh, uh, but also novels and poetry. Um, And so to uh, invite churches uh, into broad uh, practices of reading uh, and to, to talking about the things that they read uh, and to realizing that even if we don't intentionally set out uh, to do so, that sometimes uh, things that we read kind of work their ways in, ways into our conversation. Uh, so so anyway, uh, Englewood Review, E-N-G-L-E, woodreview.org, uh, we're online and typically are posting several times a week uh, new new reviews, new uh, uh uh, we do some poetry on the site. Um, we do uh, interviews, uh, video interviews, text interviews uh, with with authors. Uh, so, okay. so yeah, reading is really important. I actually have a book that uh, people aren't quite as aware of that kind of came out between Slow Church uh, and 
uh, the Body of Christ talk called Reading for the Common Good. Yes. Uh, and that basically kind of explores a lot of the rationale of why uh, we we really value reading and the ways in which reading uh, can, can really stimulate uh, the conversations that we have together. Yes. Yeah. We'll put links to all that in the show notes. We will. Chris, great. thanks, buddy. Thank you. It's good to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great been talking. Been great talking with you guys. Yep. Yeah. All right. Peace, brother. All right. We'll see you guys next time. See you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you enjoy learning from this podcast, please be sure to show your support by rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes. Be sure to share with your friends on social media too. And we would love to hear from you. So please email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. You can join our online community for free at gravityleadership.com slash join. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.